if we focus on Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, you can stand with me. Let's try it again. Thank you, Alan, for reminding me of that. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 2. And the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. As in the day of Midian, for every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. And here's the reason. For unto us a child is born, unto us son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, will perform this. Father, we come to you today and we are in need of hope. Hope, God, that you are faithful and hope that you will provide all we need and you did by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. Father, I ask this morning, I ask that the light of his life would shine, Lord, into our hearts and lift our heads. We offer to you areas of our lives that need your presence. We trust in you today, Lord, with our very lives. And Lord, we look with anticipation to see how you will come through. Thank you for the hope that can only come from you. Thank you for giving me hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the heart of Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people say, Amen. You can be seated. We read this morning from Isaiah. And the text we read this morning is one of the most classic of all Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the birth of Christ. 
And we need to remember that when Isaiah penned these words, he's writing with a background of gloom and darkness. The world had felt and experienced the full weight of sin. And it Sin had wreaked havoc on all of creation. And what Isaiah offered then for the Jews is still true for us. But what he offered at chapter 9 was something that Jewish people needed more than anything. They needed hope. Hope that someday, hope that somehow, Someone would come and make all things right. Hope that one day and somehow someone would come and restore what had been broken. And my friend, the birth of Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of that hope. And my friend, that's the same fact that offers you and I hope today. Here we are, the first Sunday of Advent. We're beginning to see evidence of Christmas all around us. And I must say, a lot of what I see I don't like. I need more than a white bearded deceiver. I need someone who's real and genuine. I need someone who knows my hurts, he knows my heart. And not just knows them, he knows how to heal the brokenness in my life. And that's why for the next today and the three weeks following up to Christmas Eve, we're going to look at four themes, the main themes at the very heart of Christmas. All the tinsel, the treats, the trees, if we're not careful, can distract us from what really matters. And my friend, what really matters, Christ came into our world. We're going to find out this, hopefully, the next few weeks, how hope and peace and joy and love, they are at the very heart of Christmas. And our goal today is to discover that genuine hope comes through the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I can sure use some hope during this Christmas season. I could use some hope in this broken world. And I, I realize we're approaching an election time, but my friend, politicians can't fix what's broke. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. We need to see Jesus. And the true reason there's hope at Christmas time, not because of the gifts, not because of the parties, but because of the birth of Jesus Christ. When Christ was born some 2,000 years ago, that was a fulfillment of a prophecy 
spoken about 750 years before his birth. And this prophecy is one of the most well-known passages that's preached on this time of year. And that's where we begin our journey. So what was the problem in Isaiah's day? The same today is sin. And I look at some background of Isaiah's day. Again, writing about 750 years before Christ. Poor leadership. Isaiah, if you go back to chapter 1, we're not going to read it today. But he ministered under four kings, Isaiah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And he was fortunate to serve under three relatively good kings. But I'll remind you, that was not the norm in Judah. Very few of the kings were considered good. And by the way, they're sister Israel, the northern kingdom, had already gone into captivity. They had no good kings. So the problem was poor leadership. Leaders who for the most part had gone away from God. They were corrupt, but they also led the people away from God. And when Isaiah wrote, it was a dark time in history. And I think about this, and, and I realize that God is speaking through Isaiah. But I also know that Isaiah realized, as he wrote these words, I believe he realized that the only hope they had as a nation is if God would intervene. And my friend, the only hope we have is if God would intervene. Isaiah realized that. The kingdom was crumbling. They were circling the drain. And the people needed hope. There are actually two major statements in these verses. Number one, Isaiah acknowledges the brokenness and the darkness that surrounded them. And he realized the reason was sin and corruption. The second major statement was the hope of a dawning light a hope of change that things would one day be better and that was through the birth of a child a child who would one day make all things right one of the reasons I love this passage it's easy to kind of break down and outline And I couldn't help but notice the promises that God made in these passages. God promised that the people who had lived in darkness would one day see a great light. God promised the sadness of that day would one day be replaced with rejoicing. And God promised that he was going to one day break the rod of their oppressors. He also promised that the boots of the warrior And the uniforms, bloodstained by war, God said they're going to all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. But the reason is all for that, all of that, the only way 
That was going to come about is if a son was born. If a child was born. If a son was given. And the people of Isaiah's day needed those words to remind them in spite of the dark world we live in, God has not forgotten us. And my friend, the same is true today. And I realize we live in a dark, evil world. And I don't have much hope for our politicians or America itself to change. We need God to intervene. But I want you to know, child of God, He has not forgotten us. And He never will. The more I learn about God's Word, and I, I want to tell you, I confess, I have just scratched the surface and barely scratched it. But the more I learn about God's Word, I realize how God can only be faithful. He's faithful to what He said. In Isaiah, He promised a child. He said a son would be given. And it took a while. 750 years. It's interesting when we get to the book of Matthew... Matthew makes a connection between what Isaiah had prophesied and what was about to take place in a manger. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 22 and 23. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord, notice this, by the prophet, referring to Isaiah, Saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now think about this for a moment. Isaiah is prophesying, and this is another Referring to actually another prophecy of a virgin, but Isaiah still gives it. And he prophesied in our text in chapter 9, there's coming a day when it's going to be a, a, a day of rejoicing for the people of Israel. And Isaiah's looking around. He knows what's going on. His head is not in the sand. He knows what's going on. He knows they're about to go down the tubes. And he's looking around and God says, that's going to change. And I want to tell you, if you're living in Isaiah's time, you're thinking, that's impossible. But how many know the things that are not possible with man are indeed possible with God? And God says, Isaiah, I want you to give the people hope. Let me tell you what to say. A better day is coming. But he also, in another prophecy, gives Isaiah... The news that one day, a virgin, a Parthenos, is going to give birth to a child. Now, by the way, in the, in the Bible, Old Testament and New, uh, the word Parthenos or a virgin can be used one of two ways. It could speak of a, a young maiden who's never been married. Or it could speak of a young woman who's never been married and never had, uh, any sort of, uh, intimacy with a man. And so you have to understand the context. 
Because just because of, uh, someone's not been married doesn't mean they haven't been intimate with someone. That's a possibility. And there will be those who argue, well, um, Mary might have just been a young maiden. But we know from Luke's account that Mary said, how can these things be? Why? I've never known a man. So we know she was a Parthenos in the truest sense. Now hold on, Isaiah. How hard is it for us to believe that a virgin, a pure virgin, is going to have a child? From our standpoint, that's what? That's impossible. But God says it was going to happen. And Matthew's writing about that. In Matthew chapter 1, we find a, a Jewish man named Joseph. He's a, in a dilemma. He's been engaged to this young woman, Mary, for quite some time. And he finds out she is carrying a baby. And one thing for sure he knows, it's not his. So in his mind, he's going to roll over and over. He thought, well, I'm going to call this thing off. I'm going to, I'm going to put it away privately. But in the midst of the turmoil of his mind, an angel comes and speaks to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Joseph, go on with the marriage. This is from the Holy Spirit. And all of those events took place to fulfill a prophecy from the Old Testament which claimed there would be a child born of a virgin. And that child would be a light in the darkness. And that child would bring hope to all the world. My, how our world needs hope today. And the Bible says the child will be named Emmanuel. Which means, now hear me well, God with us, even in the midst of a dark world. He will never leave or forsake us. Three things I want to point out this morning about this hope. First of all, and we can agree with this, that the presence of darkness always threatens our hope. Now think about that. Look around, look around at our situation in our nation today. Look at how confused our people are. They don't know who a man or a woman is. And, uh, wow, it's a dark world. And we look around and we begin to think, Lord, is there any hope? But you have to understand this morning that the, the focus point of the Christmas story is squarely focused on the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the hope of the Israelites that one day God would push back that darkness and he would shine light into the world. And my friend, I want to say today, and I know how bad it's getting in our world, and I don't believe it'll get any better until Jesus comes. But I know one thing, when he comes, he's going to push back that darkness. He is the light of the world. And that's why... One of the reasons why Christmas ought to resonate in our hearts. Because you and I live in a world very similar to Israel. Our world is dark and our world is corrupt because of the sin that entangles us. And the debauchery of our world. 
war, everywhere we look, disease, conflict, oppression all around us. And I believe that you and I, we need Jesus Christ. We need, we needed the Christ child to come to usher in a light and to push back the darkness around us. My friend, join with me today. Let's make a, make a determination. We will not allow the darkness of this world to steal our hope. Our hope is in Christ. So Christmas reminds us that whatever it is we hope for in our lives, if we're hoping for healing, if we're hoping for restoration, if we're hoping for forgiveness, or we're just hoping for a fresh start, understand all of that is available through Emmanuel, who is God with us. Someone said this, hope is not the result of the absence of conflict, difficulty, struggle, or trial. But hope is a result of the presence of God. My friend, God is my hope. He is my hope. So number one, I realize that darkness threatens our hope. Number two, God's presence has come to give us hope. Now, one thing we read in the book of Isaiah, the promise of the Savior. And God promised a child would be born, a son would be given. But it was 750 more years before that came about. Jesus promised in John 14, if he went away, he said, I'll come again. That's been about 2,000 years ago. And the difficult thing about hope is that most of the time, it takes longer than I would like for it to be fulfilled. But my friend, write it down. If Jesus promised, if God promises, it is going to come to pass. And like the Jewish people in Isaiah's day, the same thing they experienced, we need today. Because hope requires patience. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I confess I'm guilty. When I want something, guess when I want it? Right now, if not yesterday, right? But hope requires patience. There's a plant. Do we have a picture, Alan? Yeah, we do. It's actually a common plant that grows in the southwest desert of the United States. It's called the agave americana. It's also known as the century plant. And it lives and thrives in rocky, dry, mountain, desert locations. And it grows with leaves that can be as much as a foot wide. This plant can reach 12 feet in diameter. And the plant itself can grow to be about 6 feet tall. But one of the most unusual traits about this plant is this long reproduction cycle. For 20 or 30 years, 
This plant stays the same height and puts out no flowers. But suddenly, without warning, a new bud will begin to sprout. And it kind of looks like a tree trunk sized asparagus spear. And that bud will rise into the sky at a rate of seven inches per day until it reaches about anywhere from 20 to 40 feet high. And then it culminates with a crown of several clumps of yellow blossoms. They last for three weeks. And that's all. And similar to the century plant, some of the greatest answers for our hoping will take a long time and patience if we see them bloom and come to fruition. Isaiah saw one day in the future that God would bring light and salvation through the birth of a child. It was not until hundreds of years later, seven or fifty years later, that Matthew records the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Jesus is the very presence of God on earth. And he offers forgiveness of sin, destruction of evil, and the promise of eternal life. So why do we go back? Why do we read those prophecies over and over again? Why do we read it almost every year at Christmas time? And here's the reason. We need to see God's faithfulness in the past. And if we can see God's faithfulness in the past, it gives us a deep, abiding hope for the present, but also for the future. Folks, our God is real. And Paul makes an appeal for those that hope we have for those who trust in Christ, look what he says, Romans 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Might have hope. My friend, my hope is in God's Word. It's in the promises that God has made that will never, ever fail. It is so important that we go back and understand the promises even in the Old Testament were fulfilled at the birth of Jesus Christ. But it reminds me that we can trust God. Amen. Even in the midst of a dark world. The third point is hope is at the heart of Christmas. And I want you to realize 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born in that manger, he brought hope into a dark world. So how does he give us hope today? How does Jesus give us hope? Number one, through the forgiveness of sin and the offer of salvation. How many glad you're saved today? Amen. Ephesians 2.12 At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, Notice this, having no hope and without God in the world. Now I've got to confess something here today that's 
folks. Every time I read that verse, and especially the last phrase when Paul said, having no hope and without God in this world. As I look back on my life and I remember those days, chills run up my spine when I think about I could have died in that condition. There was a time I was separate from God. There was a time that I had no hope. But thank God for the day Jesus spoke to my heart. And that's all changed. Thank God I'm now born again. Romans 5, 2. The Bible says, by whom? Speaking about Christ. Also we have access by faith to this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice, notice in what? In hope of the glory of God. Folks, our hope was restored whenever we received the gift of salvation. Second of all, I have hope through his word and his teaching in the Bible. When God's word comes to us, while well, we read the Bible, or when the Spirit of God brings a verse to our memory, that has the power to give us hope. The psalmist said this, Psalm 119, verse 49, Remember the word unto thy servants, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. My friend, God's word can be an anchor for our soul in a hopeless situation. And that's why God's word must be a priority in our life. Another way we have hope through Christ is through God's intervention. I have a question. Has God ever intervened in your life? Think about that. Look back. Some of the process in your life, it can only be because God has led you in that direction. There in John 11, Martha and Mary had lost hope. Their brother Lazarus had been dead for four days. And I'm reading from what Mary said, but both actually said the same thing. Martha said later on, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But how many know Jesus restored their hope? And the same God can restore our hope as he intervenes in our life. And the fourth thing we have through hope in Christ is through the promise of eternal life. Do I need to tell you this morning that, type, that life can be tough? It can be difficult. It can wear us out as we face the different challenges and trials in life. Some days it's hard to have hope. But my friend, that's why the promise of eternal life is so important when it comes to having hope. In these dark times. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. If in this life only. We have hope in Christ. We are all of all men most miserable. True words. But I'm glad that my hope in Christ. Is not only good now. It's good for eternity. But also know that Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known 
what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. My friend, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm on my way to an eternal heaven. And Christ gives me hope because I know, I know, I know I have eternal life. Not because I'm good, because I am not. I have eternal life because He is good and because of His grace. So where does that leave us this morning? First of all, God is always right on time. He knows exactly what we need. We can trust Him to reveal the light of Christ that the darkness can be pushed back. And here's my challenge this morning for all of us. Let's express our hope in God this morning. And let's do it by believing Him. Believing in Him And by bringing to him the things that are heavy on our hearts. Let's stand together. Would you bow your head with me this morning, please? We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. I'm going to begin this prayer and then I'm going to pause just for a moment of silence to give us a chance to silently speak to God and then we will close in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we need hope. Hope that you are faithful and hope that you provided everything we need by sending Jesus Christ to us. I'm asking today, Father, that the light of life would shine into our lives and draw us near to you. Let's pray for a moment silently. Give the things to God. Father, we're so thankful we can trust you with everything in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that during that silent prayer, if we brought those things to you, I pray, Lord, we'll not carry them back, but, Lord, we would lay them at your feet. Remind us again that hope can only come through you. And, God, let us wait with great anticipation. 
In Jesus' name I pray.